Welcome to the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Now, here are your hosts, editor Christian Berg and associate editor Mark Demko. All right, welcome back to the Bow Hunting Podcast. We are all bow hunting all the time. Mr. Demko, how are you doing today? Uh, phenomenal, great day. It's always a great day when you and I get a nice ride in the truck, come down here to Lancaster Archery Supply and get with our friends down here. Absolutely. It's an incredible facility. We're, today we're at the distribution warehouse. We have a very special guest. Absolutely. Mr. Brandon Austin uh, from the pro shop here yes, up sir. the road a little bit. But you are the broadhead expert and have quite an authority on killing things with anything with blades. So I'm told. Yes, so, <laughs> so I am looking forward to talking about that today, Mark, because um, he's got quite an impressive collection just here, and I'm told this is just a mere fraction of what he's got. But before we dive in to our conversation about death, killing, all that good stuff, we need to remind everyone who brings the show to them, and that is none other than Lancaster Archery Supply. And so if you have needs for this, that, or the other related to your bow hunting pursuits, where do you go, Mr. Demko? LancasterArchery.com. Absolutely. You know why? Because they've got the gear, they've got the knowledge, and they've got the passion. Yeah. And, and you know, honestly, what do you have, 40,000 products that you guys offer is incredible. Pro Shop is state-of-the-art, but also the online uh, service that you offer. It's just incredible. People are gearing up now. We're in the middle of summer here and gearing up for the hunting seasons. Great place to stop and visit if you live in uh, southeastern Pennsylvania or just go online to the website and order what you need. And, and they and have a great service where they'll help you out. Everybody here, bow hunts. And speaking of gearing up, Brandon, you guys have a yeah. special event coming up. Yeah, um, we have our, in August, 11th and 12th, it's our extravaganza. It's the biggest sale of the year that we host. Um, we have vendors, manufacturers coming in. I mean, it's everything is on sale. If it's not a special sale item, it's on a, our, our blanket discounts. Uh, one day is 15% off for select hours. The next day is 10% off. It's a great time to come out just to get geared up for the season, whether you're heading west or you're just going to be hunting local. We have it for you. So August 11th and 12th, and I know that every single person listening needs something. For sure. Even if it's a pack of broadheads, which oh, yeah. we're going to talk about today, you need something for the season. Mm -hmm. So if you're local, get over here. And, and is that online as well? No, it's store only. Store only. So plan a road trip. If you're in California, if you're in Illinois, <laughs> if you're in Texas, you got a few weeks notice, get up here and you'll almost make enough on the savings here at Lancaster Archery to pay for all your travel expenses. No? Abs no. <laughs> you know, it depends how much you're buying. But That's you know true. what? You Come and spend freely. That's true. That is true, Mark. I didn't think about that. If you spend enough, you'll save enough. And I think that's called spaving. So if you spave enough, you can actually cover all your, your travel expenses. So it's good. May, might as well pull a trailer while you're at it. Yeah, we'll load it up for you. Bring it in. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Brandon, that... Uh, that was, you know, a lot of fun. But what we really want to talk about today is killing critters, because that, at the end of the day, is what we're all here for. And yeah, bow hunting's about a lot more than killing. Yep. But as I like to say, Mr. Demko, you know, the, a lot of guys who say, hey, I don't have to kill anything. And I say that is true. But if you don't kill something every once in a while, you ain't really hunting. 
So ultimately, eventually, something's got to die. And along those lines, Brandon, you have experimented with many ways oh. to take life and make death. <laughs> yeah. Make it so gruesome. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, yeah, it's, there's a broadheads that are out there. There's, if, if anybody's been into our shop, you can look, stand there and look at our broadhead wall and it's substantial. There's, there's something there for everyone up on that wall. And, you know, if, if I personally haven't shot it or tested it or played with it, I'm sure I could find somebody in the shop that has, um, but there's a lot of implements out there to be shot at animals. Well, there's no doubt. And the thing is, like, you probably go to the show. We go to the ATA show every year. And, of course, people are always sending new product information to the magazine. And broadheads, like, everybody thinks that they can design the next mm -hmm. great broadhead. And it's, it's kind of crazy because in some ways, I always joke that, like, the last thing that the world really needs is another broadhead design mm -hmm. because there's been, you know, yeah. a million of them already. And yet it's a simple enough product and easy enough to manufacture that really anybody who thinks they have an amazing idea can start playing around with it. And maybe just maybe they do have the next greatest thing. Yeah. I mean, you can look at some of them and it just seems to be a creative way of killing. That's what it seems like it's trying to get to. But I mean, there's some that are super simple and sleek out there that just simply work. And there's other ones that are super creative it might not work the greatest, but they still, at the end of the day, they kill animals. They do. Yeah. So let's take a step back though. Um, let folks know a little bit about your background. You've been working at the LAS Pro Shop here, I think you said since 2001? Yes, sir. So quite a while now. Yes. And I'm sure you were a bow hunter before you started. Yep. But working here, you see it all and you get a discount on it. Oh, yeah. So... You've, you like, did this obsession with playing with different broadheads start after you started here? Well, well, not necessarily. I mean, back when I started and I was younger, I mean, a lot of the guys I worked with were, you know, they still are diehard bow hunters, but at that time they were, you know, they're out there doing it. I mean, back then when people shot, you could go to a picnic or a cookout and, you know, you heard somebody shot a deer with a bow, you know, people be like, man, that guy shot a deer with a bow. It was something like, you know, nowadays it's, oh, you shot it with a bow. That's what it is. But back then it was, ar archery hunting was something different. It was, it held a lot of weight to it. But these guys that I worked with were, I mean, doing this consistently. And uh, they were constantly showing pictures of deer they shot or, you know, they're heading to Eastern Shore, Maryland and, and just showing like broadheads and configurations and stuff. And you just get intrigued by it and then as the company grew we started bringing in more and more products and you know somebody's got to test it how else do you relate to a customer if you haven't tried it yourself so give them a whirl you know how many broadhead you think you've shot over the past nearly quarter century i'm guessing it's oh. got to be a pretty good number um i mean it could be i mean more than 100 i mean i've shot stuff that hasn't even been released on the market before um but i mean yeah there's there's ones that i hold near and dear to my heart but probably over 100 different kinds i bet now when you say you've shot more than 100 different broadheads do you mean like just on the range or at animals Ooh, i, I would say on the range there's stuff that i've shot that that's never made it out hunting i have a big big plano box at home the guys at the shop call it the box of pain it's just a giant <laughs> it's just a giant box of sharp implements in there and there's anything and everything in there you know if, if somebody you know guys at the shop wanted to go test broadheads and they're not really sure where they want to go or what that's the rabbit hole to go down open that thing up and start shooting well i mean i'm curious at this most people myself included when we find a broadhead that works really well, 
Yeah, I mean, being the editor of a bow hunting magazine, I've got to be at least open to, you know, giving other yeah. things a whirl from time to time. But I've reached the point now, 15 years into this job, that I tend to circle back around, whether it's yeah. a broadhead it's or a particular bow or, a, you know what I mean? You just, mm -hmm. yeah, you you, you kind of get your sweet spot. So, I mean, how do you resist that temptation? Well, I mean, I, mean, I don't want anybody to have any illusions that I just screw broadheads on and go run into the woods carelessly. Everything I shoot gets tested to my furthest max yardage that I want to shoot at an animal and probably even some further than that. Um, but I mean, to, to fight off that temptation, I think it's, I mean, you could look at my quiver now, there's six different broadheads in a six arrow quiver. That's just how they are. Um, but I don't know. It's, you have your comforts that you want to go back to and shoot. It's like the old reliable. You just have faith in it. And that's what bow hunting comes down to is, is you have to have faith and trust in it. And that's kind of how we end up keep going back. I mean, there's, I mean, I, you know, I think we talked a little bit earlier. There's stuff out there that I wish they still made, but I can't get no more. Right. So, well, why don't we, why don't we start there? Because we'll, you know, I want to dive into some of the specifics, Mark, yeah. of different heads that he shot, but people love, you know, I don't know how useful this will be for anyone. It's more trivia because you can't get them anymore, but name a broadhead that you love oh. and it, and it's no longer on the market. Well, I, it's, um, it's this little guy right here. Well, actually this guy, this guy right here. Okay. I'm, it's a rocket of some sort. Yep. Rocket steelhead. It's nothing fancy. Inch and an eighth. Shoot it just like that with a rubber band on it. Probably one of the simplest broadheads out there. That broadhead, I mean, it's, I've done everything with it. Um, never, I haven't found a spot hard enough on a whitetail that I couldn't get it through to kill it with that arrow, with that broadhead on there. I actually, uh, I, I bought as many of them as I could when I heard they weren't making them. I actually have them stashed away at a safe spot because some of the guys come over to the house, they look for them. But my wife still shoots that head today. At 42 pounds, she shoots that thing through whitetails all day long. So how long ago, I wasn't even aware they, they don't make those anymore. They made them, well, they made several versions of them. I mean, you could sell them, big fan. They made black ones, they made silver ones, and they made gold ones of them. But it's been quite a few years since they, they made them. When I started in the 90s, that may have been one of the first broadheads that I shot, which I would have bought at Archery at the Glen in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And uh, there was a couple different rocket heads that I shot those first few years. Yeah. They're, they're just, it's a steel ferrule. There's nothing fancy to it. And it gave me results after results after results. That's so, so how many, I mean, just come clean. You know, we won't give your address or GPS coordinates, <laughs> but how many of those do you have stocked away? Uh, I still have about eight packs for my wife to shoot. And I did stumble across a little ad uh, this past weekend over at Archie Club. A guy had 10 packs of them for sale. So if he's listening, I might be calling him. All right. Why don't we, <laughs> why don't we do this? What's one of the newest... Okay, so we're going to go from something that's not available anymore. What's one of the newest broadheads, something that's come out yep. either this year or last year, yep. you know, kind of thing that you were intrigued by, yep. you, you know, you actually ended up taking it out and you're like, man, this is really something. Yeah, I was digging through my big bucket of stuff at home trying to find one and they were all mixed apart. But the, the head that I shot last year, I shot some deer with it, was the um, Slick Trick Torch. A two-blade, two-inch, single bevel head. It shot really well. The blade's locked open with it. it it's, it's a typical two-blade, rear-deploying head. You know, big two-inch hole, two-inch hole all the way through. Durable, never rolled an edge on it. It did just fine. I was really impressed with that head. 
Gotcha. So so it's the unusual part about it is a single bevel yes, blades. Yep, a little different. Usually everything's, um, usually most mechanicals are not a single bevel, but that is a single bevel on that head. Gotcha. Perfect. Well, Mark, I'd be interested in hearing about Brandon's protocol. I asked him this, or I told him before we started the show, I was going to ask him this. Would you just, I mean, he, he obviously loves shooting different broadheads. And I guess he can say it's all professional research, right? It makes him a better employee at the pro shop. But just because something's new or it looks cool or it has some fancy packaging, will he just screw it on to the end of his arrow and go to the woods? Or does he have some standards, if you will, as to what makes the cut to actually get from the range to the field? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the for myself, I mean, number one priority is accuracy. I could care less, you know, what it looks like, um, but accuracy is key in my book. We all know it comes down to shot placement. You could kill them with a field point if you're legally allowed to hunt with them. A shot placement is everything. Um, and then after that, I'm going to say durability when it comes to that. You can tell usually in the first, you know, after some practice shots and stuff, you can tell how durable a head's going to be if the blades bend up or if they start rolling edges and that kind of stuff. And then, I mean, I would say third would be cutting diameter. I mean, I don't get too caught up on it. Yeah, two inches is a nice cutting hole, but I mean, you could see by my favorite head that's same size as a small fixed head. I mean, that's not that's not huge in my in my priority, but accuracy is number one for sure with that. So how do you evaluate accuracy? You know, do you look for heads that are pretty close to, you know, your setup with field points or are you willing to make a lot of adjustments for a head as long as once you make those adjustments, you're getting good, consistent flight. There, once my bow is set up for field points, there's no adjustments for broadheads. I don't. I do zero adjustments for that. Um, I don't. I'm not in the playing arts and crafts and going down that road with moving this and moving that to get fixed heads and fixed heads or whatever else broadhead I want to shoot. Um, but it's. I look for a broadhead that's typically shorter in the ferrules. I've had some errors. If you have a, an issue with your spine, it seems like if the ferrule is really long on the broadhead, it's going to throw your arrow off as far as the way the arrow flexes. And I've had them hit tall um, shooting. So I, I like something with a little stubbier ferrule. Obviously, that helps with durability too. But um, small, stubby ferrules seems to be where I like to go for accuracy. Um, durability. How do you test this? Just, do you test it? I don't go through lengths for shooting them in the blocks or anything. I just constantly shoot them. I mean, I I have practice errors now that just have broadheads on them that are glued shut. It's those are real deal heads. They're glued shut. They put a small drop of glue in them and keep them shut. And I'll just keep shooting them and shooting them and shooting them, and just see how they are. And I mean, that's from block targets. I mean, and they do hit the backs of other arrows. I've trashed plenty of arrows doing it that way. But and that's how I test them out from that. And then. You'll see some real-world durability stuff when you start launching them through animals. That Now, what about range? You talk about practicing out as far as you want to shoot. What, what do you consider to be your maximum effective range and how many broadheads, you know, for every 10 broadheads you shoot or whatever, <clears throat> you know, 10 different models, yeah. how many of them will actually achieve accuracy at your effective range you can look at all those broadhead you can look at every broadhead manufacturer's packaging and they all say field point accuracy and i think that's just a 
old statement across a lot of people's. And that all comes down to the shooter and, you know, spine of the arrow, the way the bow's tuned. There's a lot of stuff that goes into that. Um, but, you know, I when I build my hunting arrows, the arrows are spun. Every broadhead is spun on each arrow to make sure it's consistent from there. Um, and then even one of my practice arrows, I'll do the same thing. It's the same process if you're hunting or you're practice shooting and you go out the distance and you'll shoot those things at long distances. And when I say long distance, I'm not a Western hunter. There's guys out there that are way better marksmen than I am that hunt out West. But for here, bow hunting, you know, far shot through the woods, you know, 40 yards, that's a far shot through the woods here. And you get guys that shoot fields edges, you can stretch out there. But for me, I hunt a lot of residential areas, really tight quarters. I mean, so most of my shots are inside 30 yards. So I will test my heads out to 60, 70 yards. If it performs out there, it's going to perform at 20 and 15 yards. It's got to. Um, I don't remember what I was going to say next, Mark. What do you got? <laughs> yeah, actually, you were talking about all these different broadheads. Mm -hmm. And have you ever been excited to get a new head? Maybe it's because the company is really um, respected or for some other reason. And when you got it and you got on the range and you shot it, you were disappointed. Does that ever pop up? I've got some stuff before where I got them out of the packaging, and I was like, "Wow, this is this is not what the well, this is not what was painted for me. This is not nearly the product I've seen before." And it might have been just the quality control of how it was built. And you can, when you get them in your hand, you can feel them. You know, feel the blades and that kind of stuff. If they're not sticky sharp, they're not. They'll they'll still kill, but they're not going to do what you want them to do all the time. Do you sharpen broadhead blades? No. Probably not. Right. Once and done. I shoot them once, and they go and they. Well, yeah, we'll talk about the bucket, yeah. but I, I remember now what I was going to ask him. You talked about spinning yep. all your arrows and broadheads. Do you actually like label your heads and match them up with specific arrows? Uh, I don't know. I don't go that far with them. I'll sit there with whatever broadheads I'm planning on shooting. I'll go through all my arrows and I like going into a hunting season with at least two dozen arrows ready to go. I mean, they are built broadheads in them in the case. So I'll sit there and put them all out and I'll sit there and spin them and make sure they spin. If they have any kind of imperfection to them, wiggle, wobble, next broadhead. I'll keep the same arrow, but I'll keep trying different broadheads on it until I get it to go to get it spin how I want. Now you, you mentioned something earlier about, you know, a six arrow quiver with Six arrows with six different broadheads yep. on them. Were you talking about customers or were you talking about what you actually take? Oh, my the personal quiver. quiver. Yeah. So when you're sitting, okay, so so you, <laughs> it's not generally considered standard operating procedure. That's literally the customer that like has the three different arrows mm -hmm. with the three different broadheads. And those are his last three arrows. And he comes in and he says to Brandon, I might need some new arrows or some new broadheads because these are the last three I have and they're all mismatched, but I just didn't want to spend $80 last, last year. Yeah. I mean, arrows, having matched arrows is obviously important. We all know that, but the broadheads on the front end, if they all shoot the same, What's it matter? What's the broadhead on the front? I mean, I yep. like to experiment. And like I said, I test them thoroughly before I even hit the woods with them. If there was any shadow of a doubt that those things wouldn't hit behind the pin, who wants to chase a deer all night through the woods? I don't. My buddies don't. And I thought that was really interesting when you said it the first time I noticed that too. And then I realized, well, if you're putting this much effort on the front end, you're probably in good shape no matter what broadhead you have on the end of that arrow. That, Absolutely. That's pretty interesting. Um, now, are you shooting mostly mechanicals, expandables? Do you do, do you any fixed blades? I do mess around with fixed blades um, from time to time. It's just, like when I said, I have two dozen arrows ready to go for the hunting season. And uh, I go through arrows quite quite frequently. So for me to, for me to grab a fixed head, 
doesn't matter if it's the same fixed head. Say you had fixed uh, fixed head A, and you have five packs of them. Not every one of those in that pack are going to shoot exactly like the ones beside it. So, for me to continue hunting instead of me spending, you know, I much rather have a day going hunting with a mechanical that I know it's going to shoot fine than me spend a day sitting at home building arrows with my fixed heads to go. I just, I don't have the trust that every single one of them in my quiver are going to hit behind the pin. It may be close, but it may not be. You just don't know. So when you're up in your tree or you're blind or whatever, and you get settled in and you're going to grab an arrow mm-hmm. and knock it, which one, how do you decide which broadhead uh, gets the flight? Oh, there's been text messages. I'll send a picture out. Which one should I shoot tonight, guys? And they're like, oh, you should shoot this one. You should try that one. And we'll do that. And there's been times where, you know, for whatever reason, you grab one out and you put it on the bow and you're just kind of looking at it and side eyeing. And you're like, that's not the one. You put it back in, you grab a different one. Just kind of superstitious, I guess. Okay. Talk to me about, well, I don't know where I want to go with this first, but every time you shoot an animal. Mm-hmm. You take the whole arrow, and you've got about eight or ten on the table here. You take the whole arrow and throw it in a bucket. So no arrow or broadhead or knock that has passed through a critter ever flies from your bow again. Never again. And um, I also kind of do the same thing with my target arrows. Any arrow that I practice with or shot 3D with will never see the woods. So the arrows that I shoot hunting are built, start to finish, and go hunting. And then they get shot once, and then they end up in this bucket. Well, several buckets now. So how many arrows do you have in these buckets? Oh, it's a time capsule. I mean, there's stuff in there with aluminum arrows. I mean, from way back in the day, from shooting overdraws and shooting manufacturer's bows that aren't even in production anymore. But there's buckets, several, several five-gallon buckets. And have you done this your entire hunting life yeah i think I, I got it from my dad because he he doesn't he doesn't reuse arrows and i think i got it from that i don't know if it's a respect thing or i don't know if it's just because i slung this arrow through the side of an animal and they went crashing through the woods that it's a durability thing it's just something i've always done well so did you ever count them? no no i was uh i never counted them but i almost threw them out a couple years back and a coworker stopped me I was moving and I had him in my truck and I was at the dumpster and he was like, what are you doing? And I was like throwing him out. He's like, dude, I'll take him to my house. I'll give him back to you in a couple of years. And then he talked to me out, but I put him back in my truck. <laughs> my wife wish I would have threw him away. I have a similar story when we moved to our new house. I won't get into it now, but I'm a minimalist. I like to get rid of everything. My wife likes to save everything. So sometimes you got to work that out for the good of the relationship. Yeah. Um, it just seems like someone who wants to test broadheads like would want to find out you know how many licks it takes to get to the center of a tootsie roll pop like how many animals could i kill with one broadhead it seems like you ought to pick one broadhead that you really like and see how many animals it can kill uh, you know and then maybe establish a mark and then maybe let all comers right so you kind of like hey i got this one broadhead 23 animals I killed, it finally failed, and then that's the gold standard by which every other broadhead, you could spend the whole rest of your life seeing if there anyone could knock that one off the throne. Yeah, I mean, but then you'd be stuck on that one for quite a while. Okay, well, maybe you, 
Okay, I get what you're saying because he likes to shoot a different one every time. Maybe you recruit other people. How about that? Ones that he really likes, he hands around. So PJ's got to shoot his next year with that head. And if it survives, it gets handed off to you. And if it survives, it gets handed off to me. And then I hit a rock and smash it. And it's like over. Yeah, (laughs) We We have something very similar like that going on at the shop with the release. Do you? Yeah, we have a release that's uh, not even being made. I don't even know if it was in production. We found it, and and it started out that you know I had it. You have to shoot it at, or shoot a deer with it, and then after that, you get to mail it to the next person. So nobody knows whose it's going to. It just shows up in the mail one day, and then that person has it until they kill something with it. So it's we thought about doing that with a pack with different broadheads. Just kind of you know, these are the less desirable ones. We get to hunt with them, shoot something with them. There you next. go. I know uh, years ago, some guys at Botech said they did something with that with like a, a nuclear ice or something like that. One of those little youth mm-hmm. bows with those super adjustable ones. And everyone would have to shoot a turkey with one of those little bows. Yeah. Keeps it interesting. It does. Absolutely. Um, what else about broadheads can we discuss? I think maybe some general analysis of different designs oh. you know in the world today the bow today's bow hunting world uh you know we just call it right out right rage mm-hmm. is probably the most popular best known mechanical yeah. head out there and of course when they first came out years ago that rear deployment uh was pretty revolutionary mm-hmm. now there's quite a few other heads with that design out there now um where do you sort of rank that in the pantheon of modern broadhead design? There's a, for me, I, hands down, I do like a rear deploying head. It just makes life simple. You have an entrance hole. Um, you know, if you shot an over-the-top expandable, it depends on how the deer's cornering or the animal's cornering or how the hide is or however it catches. Depends on how, if you get an entrance hole or not. Sometimes you get an absolute, you know, great hole going in great exit hole going out but sometimes going in you get one that's like teeny like size of a dime size of a fixed head or size of a um mechanical shut but with that rear deploying head even if you don't get a pass through you still have two inch inch and a half cut going in that's doing damage all the way through and that's that's the trend that we see a lot of people i mean it's it's nice it flies like a field plane and cuts big holes and get a rear deploying hole you know, I was wondering, you know, t- talking about all the variation in broadheads, yep. do you ever have people walk into the shop where they really don't know what they're looking for in a broadhead? Like, what's the most common questions you get from your customers and your clients? I mean, you'll see guys standing there, and they're just kind of looking around, and, you know, first question you usually ask them is, you know, fixed head or mechanicals. And then I think, I don't know if people get lost in the world of broadheads between single bevel, double bevel, you know, four blade, three blade, you know, two inch cut, inch and an eighth cut, whatever. I think people just, they just, I think people get into in depth in it. At the end of the day, you got to have faith in it and make sure it hits behind the pin. But I, I can't really say that most people have a consistent question when it comes to broadheads. And and out of all the equipment that we sell, talking about broadheads in there, I would say it's the most controversial one to talk to. You got to really tread lightly when you start asking questions to people. What do you think about, I want to keep hammering him on these different designs. He likes the rear deploy. Yep. Now, what about these heads? You talked about how you like the entry hole. Yep. Now, from a marketing standpoint, or maybe from a practicality standpoint, 
you've probably got experience like take a, a Schwacker, for instance. They've got those little wing blades on the front, and yep. their claim to fame is like not about the entry hole, but about about how slice twice that arrow doesn't fully deploy until it's in the vitals, and then you get those secondary blades, and that's where the real magic happens. Yeah. Um, I've shot those heads. Uh, I've killed animals with them. They shot really well. Um, I don't know. I've, I've shot some deer with them, and there's some times where I was just like, wow, that, that was it. I was expecting much, much more from what, from what that head was portrayed. And, um, I mean, I shot several deer with them. So what, I'm not basing this off of one time only. I've shot several deer with, you know, from this be my opinion, but I happy with the flight, happy with the durability was not exactly crazy about the devastation with that. And there's, there were some other companies throughout the year that had that similar design. Um, as far as that, I don't know what you say, deploying inside the chest like a two two-stage deployment yeah. I'll, I'll call it for a lack yeah. of a better term yeah i mean but it's you know schwacker is the one that's been around that's why everyone knows the most but sure I, mean, I have buddies that swear by them up and down I, I hunt with guys that hunt with them and they love them yeah i was gonna say well i mean like levi shoots them yeah who's gonna argue with him a heck of a how, yeah you can't argue with yeah. the guy right but i yeah i hear what you're saying though sounds like you're telling me you like a bigger holes because it makes tracking well, easier i mean i'm built like a gnome i have a short draw length so we're not we're not shooting giant heavy poundage and putting a lot of kinetic energy out of there so i don't always get a pass through all the time most of the time i do but every once in a while you catch a deer quartering away and you stick one in the off shoulder i much yeah. rather have a two inch hole going in yeah, than yeah, an yeah. inch here's another design i see it on the table there that's a it's a meat seeker, right? Yeah. It's got like your piston style. And there's been a bunch of broadheads like that over the years too with that like piston type, you know, the, the front of yep. the broadhead pushes down into the ferrule and pushes right. those blades out. What do you think of that? So these things shoot awesome. Um, they do. Um, so as soon as those things hit, they just kind of fly open like that. It's a two inch, two inch, three blade head. It's devastating. Um, I've shot that head quite a bit. Um, hits all my check marks with it. I, there were some things about it. I wish that was a little bit different. Um, I wish the ferrule was a little bit longer. I've noticed in the corner and shots with just that, that punched open umbrella style blade like that, you really won't get the, the shot going up in. It'll kind of skate along the edge of the deer until it finally catches a ribbon and punches in. So you kind of get this long racing stripe down the side. Interesting, but it is one of the best all time names for a broadhead. Oh, the meat seeker. Because who, who doesn't want to shoot a meat seeking missile? Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, they're, they're absolutely. absolutely devastating. I I still have some of them laying around. I shoot from time to time at animals and they work great. They really do. What else you got, Mr. Demko? Now, do you do some, we're, we're moving into deer season, obviously, mm -hmm. do some turkey hunting in the spring and what do you prefer to use when you're turkey hunting? You ever shoot the guillotine style <laughs> blades? Um, no, I don't bow hunt turkeys. <laughs> I, uh, I shoot them with a shotgun. <laughs> I've tried jealous. I've, yeah. We we've covered this topic in a previous episode we, with, I, with I've, PJ. I have shot turkeys with bows before and they run away. Yeah, I mean <laughs> I'm I'm not that quick. I mean so yeah. In my eyes, especially at my house, if we're turkey hunting, they're meant to be shot with a shotgun. Yeah. I'm not gonna 
offer anything further on that. I was going to ask you about this one you showed us before the show, though. Yeah. I think it's another one that's not in production anymore. Uh, looks like it has a super long ferrule. It's a hybrid head. And of course, hybrid heads actually have seen kind of a resurgence in the last mm -hmm. few years. There's a number of companies making these dual hybrid type designs yeah. where you have some fixed blades and some mechanical blades. But you've got one here that uh, I don't even remember the name of it, but it's pretty wicked. Yeah. So this is uh, this was made by Rocket back in the day. This is called a Buck Blaster. So it's, you know, this thing is 125 as it sits. And then, you know, as you shoot it, it opens up to two and three quarter inch. So you can actually take the fixed heads off of that. It's 110 grains um, just with the mechanicals in it. And it's absolutely devastating. This is um, a gentleman that used to work in the showroom. He's retired from us now, Gordy. This was his tried and true head. I mean, he absolutely loved that head. And that's, you know, they, they stopped making it. But there's guys that swear by him. I think I just watched a video not that long ago. A guy shot a turkey with one. Seems like it would be a good turkey head. Mm -hmm. And also for a bigger game, though, like you maybe want to shoot some significant poundage with that. Yeah, I he did shoot some some weight with that one for sure. Now, that's another thing he mentioned, and I can't believe we didn't get into it sooner, Mark. We didn't talk about broadhead weight, okay? And he just happened to mention the, the weight of that particular mm -hmm. head, and it got me thinking. And we didn't ask him about that. Obviously, 100 grains mm -hmm. is the standard. Yep. Um, of course, FOC has been a big buzzword in our world for the last so many years. And so there's everything from heavier broadheads, of course, to a variety of different inserts and weights and mm -hmm. air collars and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So as a guy who shoots lots of different broadheads, have you played with the different weights of the arrows or the broadheads? Well, both, I guess. So... My setups usually ran around f anywhere between 400 grains to 425. And there's going to be a lot of people out there like, wow, that's too light. I mean, way too light. Um, but, I mean, for me, that works. I, Like I said, I don't have a very long draw length. I don't shoot 90 pounds, 80 pounds. So for me to keep my pin gaps where I'm comfortable that I shoot all year with, I have to I shoot that weight. But I've never met a, a deer I couldn't kill with that. I mean, it, it does everything I need it to do. Um and as far as broadhead weights go, I've shot stuff down to 75 grains. They've done exactly the same thing as a 125 grain head I've shot. Um, they all work. They really do. It just comes down to the accuracy and the shot placement with it. I, but, I mean, it depends on what, what you're trying to achieve, really. It does. I, you know, my wife, she shoots 42 pounds with a 365 grain arrow with them small little steel heads and shoots them all day long. Does the trick, doesn't Does it? Does the trick, yeah. But accuracy, like you said, you keep coming back to that. Yes. Everything else, you know, you can really kill them with anything. However, got to ask him this. What's the crappiest broadhead that you've ever seen in your life? Oh, boy. And don't hold back. Just tell us what it is. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> putting you on the spot. We'll assume you've seen at least one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I... We talk about it from time to time. There's stuff on that wall over there. I couldn't imagine even hunting with it. Uh, I don't know. I don't even know if I want to say the manufacturer. But there's, I know I let you guys down. <laughs> he must still sell it over there on the wall. We carry some of their products. Okay. So so there's some bad stuff, though. They're, I wouldn't say they're bad. I mean, look at it this way. If they're producing them and making them, somebody out there believes in them. 
somebody's shooting him and killing him with him and swears by him. Let's come at it from a different way without talking about who the manufacturer is. What was it that you could not appreciate or get to work properly? Um, the function of it, very gritty. I would refer to it as like my high school metal shop project that I, I did. Very, very rough and uh, cheaply done. I'd put it that way. All right, so it's a mechanical head of some sort, and he doesn't like the way it works. And I thought, as you were talking, maybe we can turn this around and make it even more positive <laughs> and say it like this. Brandon, I'm the next guy staring at the wall of broadheads in your shop, mm -hmm. and I want to try a new broadhead, or maybe I'm a new bow hunter, and I don't have any broadheads. What do I look for if I'm you in saying this checks my boxes for a good quality head that, like you said, doesn't mean it's the best because that's a very subjective thing. And we could yep. sit here all day and argue over what's quote unquote the best, yep. but just a really good, solid quality design that you can feel confident in and be like, yes, yep. if I make the shot, that thing's going to be dead. Yep. I will... I won't say one certain broadhead, but I'll say a manufacturer for sure. And I think this manufacturer does a great job offering something for everyone. Um, they offer fixed heads. They offer hybrids. They offer big mechanicals. They offer small mechanicals. Grim Reaper. They offer something for everybody. Um, and they cover all the weights of broadheads too. That company there will do... If a guy's asking those questions to me, that's probably where I'm going to go to show him out of the gate. Because you can really get a feel for what he wants. All right, now I feel like we're going to get into dangerous territory, but we got to do this because we've mentioned a few brands along the way. And you know what happens with broadheads, and we see it with our tests, Mark. You almost start to mention a few, and then you got to mention everyone because there's always somebody out there, you know, I shoot such and such, and you didn't talk about them. Well, we can't possibly cover them all. But let's hit a few, and I'm going to give him softballs because I'm not going <laughs> to nail him down to a specific head or model, but some major manufacturers, yeah. maybe you touch on something they've made over the years that you like yeah. or a particular way that they go about things. G5, uh, yeah. what, what do you like about them? G5, they're dead meats. They're great heads. I like the new V2 that they've come out with. They've, they definitely made improvements with the collars. Blades are stupid sharp with them. I've never had a problem with that head, and they shoot really well. And as far as their fix heads go, I mean, they are crazy sharp fix heads when they're on stuff. And they offer the uh, all solid fix heads if a guy wants to go that route. They are sharp. I said something about, like, you know, your eyeballs bleed just looking at them one time. Wasn't, it wasn't that long ago they put a Band-Aid in their package. I think it was with the dead meats when they think they sent them out. It was good marketing. Yeah. Good marketing. What's a brand that you're curious about, Mark? Compact one from QAD. You ever shoot those? Oh, the Exodus? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're really good shooting heads. Um, I like those a lot. I really do. Um, I like how short they are because they just fly tremendous. And there's guys that come in that um, talk about good shooting fixed heads. It's either those or Ramcats, the, the Hydro Shocks. Those are the top two that guys like. The biggest thing to watch out with those things is making sure your air is out long enough in front of the riser just because they've got such big blades on them. But they shoot great, and they're stupid durable, those QADs. Ram, QADs and Ramcats have done pretty well in our tests over the years. Yeah. yeah. What about Wasp? Anything to say about those guys? Wasp is a good head for sure. Um, that jackhammer, that, that's been around forever. Um, that was you know, a go-to head for the longest time, guys shooting crossbows. They love those things. Um, 
and the hammer SST, I mean, that's like a staple in bow hunting society is that hammer. Um, I shot the drones for, for a little while. They were, did really well. I mean, every deer I shot with them, didn't even know they were hit. It looked like a horse fly bit them. They just kind of shrugged it off and walked 20 yards and fell over dead. But I mean, inch and a quarter fixed head, it flies like a dart. I can't, how can you beat it? He mentioned something else, Mark, that again, we haven't touched on yet. Crossbows. Okay. He mentioned crossbows for the first time there. Um, you and I are well aware. Uh, we did an episode on this not too long ago. Man, it's amazing how, how popular crossbows are now. And actually here in Pennsylvania, yeah. like I don't know if you guys talk about this at the shop. I'm sure you see it in the sales. There was like almost 70% of the archery kill now is crossbows, like 68%. Yeah. It's crazy. So obviously guys are using them. They got to have some broadheads on the end. Mm -hmm. Theoretically, you can use whatever, but there's some different considerations that come into play when yeah. you're getting up over 400 feet per second, right? Absolutely. Once you start pushing that threshold of that 400 feet, you really need to be aware of what broadhead you're shooting. Um, you can shoot a fixed head out of a, of a crossbow. There's no problem with that. What I warn people is, is if that broadhead doesn't shoot just like your field points, or say it's a little off, you may have, you're going to have to compensate with the scope. It's not like we could tune the rest and that kind of stuff with the crossbow to make it work. So you have to be, make sure you have enough scope adjustment to make that adjustment on the crossbow to get that fixed head to fly. If not, I mean, shoot a mechanical out of it and, you know, make sure the mechanical is rated up to that 400, 500 feet per second and make sure it's a solid, durable head because you're pushing a lot of heat through them. No doubt about it. Name me a, uh, obscure broadhead manufacturer or somebody who's smaller or newer that maybe doesn't get the exposure yeah. of a big guy, but you're like, hey, man, that's something you ought to check out. I would check out that the SWAT. So SWAT has a couple different broadheads, but they have one that it opens. I would say initially it opens like a rage, and then it's got a schwacker blades on the backside. So it's a four-bladed head. They make them with a chisel tip, and then they make them with a cut-on-contact tip. I think they're called like A4s, or they call them a Moab. I think that's what they call. But, yeah, it's it's pretty serious. Four blades of cutting. PJ, what was the one you were telling us about? PJ's over there off camera. Yeah. When, when we were talking about our broadhead testing, we were like, you got to check this one out. Thorn. Oh, Thorn. Yeah. Thorn. Yeah. What do you think about these, Brandon? Thorn's a... Thorn's a good head. It reminds me back in the day of um, a broadhead called a punch cutter back in the day. I don't know if you remember those. It had kind of like a, think of a pen tip that you would click. That tip would shoot in, two blades would come out of the rear. That's what it was, a punch cutter. Very similar to that head, that Thorn. Um, I've shot them. They shoot really well. The blades are really durable. I shot the uh, Thorn NV, I think it's called, black with an orange tip. Very durable blades, shot right behind the pin. Did great. I love just peppering him with this stuff because I think that this is like low-hanging fruit from a listener standpoint, too, because people are curious. Okay, here's another company. Actually been around for a long time. I think they make good quality stuff, but I don't know that they have a, a huge following. Interlock. Yeah. Okay, talk to me about Interlock and specifically the one head that I'm curious. They make this head with this... Shapeshifter. Like, yeah, it's got like this plastic cone that goes yeah. over the top and it like breaks away when you. Ballistic <laughs> material that's supposed to fly open with it. I yeah. think that's what it is. It looks yeah. like. Yeah, you ever yeah. play with that? That one I never played with. It. I don't I don't know if we ever brought one into the shop, but we brought in, um, they had another one that 
it was kind of a wrap that went around and held the blades in. Yeah, I think I remember was, that one too. I forget exactly what it was called, but it was just before that shapeshifter one, I think it was on it. But I, I mean, I imagine it would shoot good. I've never personally played with that one. Well, you need to put that on your list. I guess. I mean, that, that might have been one that I looked at and I was like, yeah, I don't know. You know, I can't believe we didn't think of this, but we're talking about all these different broadhead manufacturers. And I don't think we've asked, could you share with us? What are the broadheads you have in your quiver? You mentioned you have yeah. five or six different ones. Uh, right now I have, uh, I just went through them the other day. There's Rage in there. Um, I mean, you mentioned it earlier. We didn't talk about it, but um, I wish they still made these. It was the original Rage tripans with the collars on them. The no the, collars. The plastic collars? Yep. Yeah, this guy right here with the collars on them. I mean, every, I know I understand the purpose of the no collars. I get it. It makes it simple. You, if you bust that collar on there, you were done hunting. Um, but that head there just, I mean, you get great cuts with the no collar, but that head there put in a much bigger cut going through with that. Um, but in my quiver, I have rages in there, uh, rockets that are in there. Um, what else did I put in there? Uh, torches from Slick Trick that are in there. I think there's a wasp jackhammer SST inch and three quarter cut floating around in there. What else do I got? He doesn't know. I don't know. I might have to try this this year. It's just so intriguing. <laughs> Keeps it interesting and fresh. I mean, who knows? I mean, they're, I mean, at our extravaganza, some of our reps come in every once in a while, they'll send a pack or something in to try out. But there's definitely six different heads in there for sure. And uh, uh, I think there might have been something else in there. I can't remember what it is. I change around. I have an arrow case with two dozen arrows in it with different stuff on them. Oh, there's NAP kill zone in there. That's a good head. Yeah, I was going to ask him about NAP earlier. Fire away. No, he just hit it. It's done. Oh. Unless you think there's other ones that I didn't ask you about that you want to talk about. I wanted to ask you about blood trails. Sure. I mean, you can't talk about broadheads and not talk about blood trails. Yeah. What's the... What's the broadhead that you think if you know i'm not rating it on anything else yep pure blood trail what's the best going or the best uh, handful i mean every you could you could just line six deer up and shoot them exactly the same and every deer is going to bleed different i believe it's the fat content in them however their position was that kind of stuff so i've shot deer with that small little inch and an eighth that look like a crime scene and i've shot them with that and you had sufficient blood to find the animal i've shot animals with that g5 mega meat that looks like you hit them with a nuke and the blood trails were minor um so i don't think there's a single broadhead out there that put it produces the best blood trails hand over hand over hand every time um but consistently i get the best blood trails out of a two blade two inch cut typically rage he doesn't want to say it. I'm saying that, it. That, people, people ask, why do you thought, keep coming back? The, why do you keep coming back to those rage heads? And well, it's I mean, so I, polarizing, but I'm like, well, I like to find my animals. Yeah. You know, and the, here's the other thing. And I'm not saying rage is the only one. Bill Winky, great, great saying, like something I'll remember the rest of my life. Like, he's like, everyone wants to know what broadhead to use. I say, you tell me where you're going to hit them, and I'll tell you what to shoot. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so true. Like if you're going to gut shoot a deer, yep. oh my gosh, a couple of years ago in Iowa, I like 
was way back on a big buck. And that rage, like if you're going to gut shoot a deer, I'll take a rage every day. It kills them pretty fast. Mm -hmm. They feel sick really quick when there's a two inch hole yep. right through the intestines. I was on a hunt and uh, the guy was like, hey, you know, just shoot them in the green lung. And I'm like, <laughs> the green, green lung. The green like, what lung. are you talking about? He's like, just center them up. He said, they'll go 150 yards. We'll find them. And I'm like, nah, man. I said, I'm not that, I'm not that guy. So, I, I had never heard yeah. that. He said, shoot him in the green lung. And I was like, you know what? I was like, I'm just not that guy. I mean, I'm a marksman. I could put that arrow where I want. I end up shooting a buck right in the shoulder. I mean, this was a, you know, a very, this is up north Wisconsin. These were the Pennsylvania whitetails. Smoked this thing right in the shoulder, and it just basically turned around, looked at me, flexed his muscles, and walked off. But if I would have shot him right in the green lung, that guy was right. You would have double-lunged it. Sounds like on that particular shot with yeah. the, where you were off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If, I would, end, if you would have aimed sure. for the center, you would have yeah. double-lunged him. But, yeah. yeah, I was like, but then I looked at the guy's trophy room. I'm like, maybe this guy's on to something. But that's, by any means, I don't shoot deer like that, but it's... It's effective. If you're going to hit a deer back or make a marginal shot, I'd much rather have something that's got some substantial cutting to it than not. Some kind of a wide diameter mechanic. Absolutely. Whereas if you're going to hit them right in the shoulder, what would you have rather have had in that situation? Like uh, a single piece fixed head or? <laughs> it don't really. I mean, I, I mean, I hit that thing right in the ball joint. Yeah. It don't really matter what, what I would have had on the front of that thing. I've shot deer. There was a 300 wind magnet. It didn't go through the other side. Um, but I mean... I guess in that situation, if you were going to make something a little bit better, uh, that broadhead I shot that deer with, it had a cut on contact tip. I would imagine that thing just folded over like a fish hook and just hindered penetration out of the gate. I probably should have had something with a chisel tip. It definitely would have helped me out. Can't guarantee it would have made a difference, but maybe. Well, and it's like Bill says, you know, like hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah. Because, yeah, you knew you, had, you were going to hit him in the shoulder. You, you could have picked a different arrow out of your quiver. At least with him, he's prepared. He's got it all with him. <laughs> You know, I'm kind of stuck once I leave the truck. You know what I mean? I got only one kind of broadhead in my quiver. I might have to change that, Mark. Yeah. Sometimes I shoot an animal and pull it out of the dirt, and I'm like, oh, that was that broadhead. I didn't even know. We got to wrap it up soon, Mark. You better quick quick fire him. anything else that's burning a hole in your brain. Yeah, it's something I wanted to ask you, and I don't know if you could answer in your role here, but you can only have one arrow with one broadhead on the hunt with until it breaks for the rest of your life. Can you tell us what it's going to be? Are you using it until it breaks? Yeah, you, you you have to use, use it until it breaks. What you get to work with. So do you have somebody you can say, yeah, this is what I'm going to put in my quiver? Arrow broadhead combination. Yep. I'm going to go with something they don't make anymore. I wish they still made them. They make a version of them. Does it have to, can it be that way? That, that's absolutely fine because, you know, we were talking about this earlier. You know, it's, it's more like stuff that's no longer around. Yep. It's, it'd probably be the ACC 339. That arrow has done everything and anything I've wanted it to do. And I'd probably have to go right to that steel head, that, that little inch and an eighth head. It's done me solid time and time again. If my wife wasn't shooting him, I'd, I'd shoot him, but she shoots him. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I'm going to hit him with one more, at least that, so far that I can think of. What's the, what do you think is the most crazy, strongest broadhead that you've ever played with? Crazy strongest broadhead ever. Like just the most durable. Hmm. Anything stand out to you? I mean, that, that uh, Exodus is up there for sure. Oh, it absolutely is. That is definitely up there. Um, I mean, we don't carry, I, I'll call them micro brews of broadheads. 
those ones that oh like it like an iron will or kudu points like and all those stuff out there yeah. we don't carry that stuff so mm-hmm. i only get to play with them when many <laughs> when customers get to bring them in so i mean some of that stuff looks pretty pretty robust it does um but i would say the stuff that you can come into our, sh- our shop and get would be the exodus for sure um i mean well the other thing is honestly if you come back to it if you hit a animal in the vital area, yeah. you don't need the world's strongest broadhead. Yeah. And if you hit them in the knuckle of the shoulder, you could have the world's strongest broadhead, and it still may not matter. For sure. So, I mean, that kind of brings us around full circle, Mark, which is have fun with whatever broadhead or broadheads that you want to shoot. They all have something praiseworthy about them. Mm-hmm. They all probably have a knit that we could pick, but if you come back to what Brandon has outlined over the course of this hour, if you want to make it into Brandon's bucket, okay, the bucket of death, if you will, a memorial to blood trails, wounds, and trophies from throughout a lifetime spent bow hunting, you've got to have accuracy and durability durability and And to have those two things you too broadhead manufacturers of the world (laughs) may find yourself in brandon austin's quiver this fall he can be bribed with a free pack of broadheads i bet so if you know Go ahead, get over here to Lancaster Archery. If you can get Brandon to shoot your head, you may have a chance of getting into the LAS catalog. (laughs) No? Am I overstepping my bounds here, Brandon? I mean, (laughs) if it comes across my desk, I'll shoot it. Put it that way. I'll try it. Anything else, Mr. Demko? No, I think this this was one of my favorite episodes ever. We covered a lot. Some things maybe Brandon didn't want to touch on, but we covered uh, it nonetheless. Yeah. Well, hopefully you still have a job after this one goes up. I think I played it pretty even. I, I didn't go into too much. No, you did. You did. And I really appreciate it, man. I'll tell yeah, you what. Thank you. Yeah. <sighs> Very impressive collection of uh, used broadheads. And I, I will agree that uh, maybe it's because I don't buy them either you know but like i think they're kind of single uses too like i don't generally yeah. play around with trying to reuse them too much if i reuse them it's because i want to glue it shut to practice with it that's but yeah it's but you can i mean and the thing is, yeah. is a lot of these have blades that you can replace and stuff for and sure this good feral i mean if it's not damaged there's absolutely. no reason you can't well listen man thanks again yeah and, absolutely. Uh, really enjoyed the conversation thanks for taking some time out yeah, I guess you're on the clock, right? For sure. Yeah. All right. Well, then I don't even thank you, man. You're lucky we came over here today. I'm glad Gave you guys you came in. Gave you an excuse to leave the shop for a little while. Oh, it was fun. Now get back over there and sell some broadheads. Oh, yeah. They're lined up. Thanks for downloading the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bow Hunting Magazine on your local newsstand. Or connect with us online at bowhuntingmag.com.